We're going to get just a small little word from our wonderful father here. <laughs> you said to use our words. While we were singing that last song, I'm seeing God in my present. I'm seeing him in the past too, but that's gone. God is in our present. He says, it says, the song says he's faithful. There's a, a scripture that says, if we're not faithful, he's faithful. And we can trust his faithfulness. I can speak from a place that not many here can speak from. I'm 77 years old. We've passed through the waters. We've passed through the fires. We have more water and fire to pass through. God is not done with you. And for some of you, it's a beginning. Let me say, seek his will for you with expectation. Without expectation, you're going to say, oh, maybe that was God. Maybe that wasn't God. Maybe it was just pizza that I had last night. I did have pizza last night. It was good. But we need to have an expectation. God has given each one of you, each one of us, a plan to live by. He wrote it in eternity past for you specifically as a unique human being. You want to know what that is? How many want to know what it is? Well, you've got to ask the Lord. The rest of you, stay there. I don't care. No. <laughs> I know we all want to know what God's plan is for our life, but God doesn't force anything on us, ever. He never forces anything on us, and he is only good. He never does anything bad. He never does anything bad for you. He never punishes you. He never says, bad kid, go stand in the corner for two hours. He doesn't do that. That's not him. You know why? Because Jesus took all of your garbage on the cross and paid for it. And when you came into him, it's gone. You only get good from God. God does not judge you for sins that you may do. And we all do those things. But we're not sinners. Don't claim to be a sinner. That's been washed away. You've been given a new nature, and you're growing into that new nature. I think that's enough. <laughs> I think that one of the that was awesome all in itself but I think one of the awesome things that we have learned recently is that when we look at our relationship with Lord with the Lord as that we're not a sinner that we're his child and that he loves us and we can always come from him and ask for forgiveness but it's not just the oh Lord I did this forgive me it's turn from those ways. Change the direction, right? Don't live there. It's such a beautiful picture of a father that loves you. And it's not just looking at you like a sinner, like, come on. He's like, come on. You got it, guys. It's so good. So, yes, we do. We have a lot of people out. Um, some of them, I think really the ones that are out have just been exposed to COVID and they're just taking precautions, and we appreciate that. That's awesome. You know, it's such a crazy to mask or not to mask, to stay at home or not to stay at home. I don't know. It's a lot. Um, sorry, this is me just taking a glance. <laughs> um, so Chris is going to come up, and he is going to um, continue with his awesome sermon 
talking about his life. I could tell you all about it, but it'd probably be a different version of what he's going to share. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I think that part of my love language for Chris is that he still falls for it. After 31 years, I can still hold a straight face and get him, and he's like, really? <laughs> I'm like, God, oh, we've been doing this for 31 years. Still. <laughs> I know that blesses you, John. I see your heart pumping extra hard. <laughs> well, Chris, you ready? No, no, come on. Come on, Pastor. <laughs> All right, here's Christopher Cornelius. <laughs> All right. Um... Yeah, we've been, we've been married 31 years. Yeah, 31. Uh, Raquel used to say that she potty trained me, but it's okay. Another one of her little jokes. So uh, we do have some folks out, and um, this is the last Sunday of the month. So it's uh, for the, all the kids. It's the Fellowship Sunday. And uh, this morning, since Lydia's out, man, Kevin's going to step up. So, Lord, have mercy on those children's. Uh, no. Uh, Kevin, are you ready? Ready or not? Kids, are you all ready? Yeah? John, you can't go back there. <laughs> no, no. All right, man. Well, y'all go ahead and have at it. Uh, head that way, man. Just, uh, man, have a great time and just, uh, man, enjoy the day. Um, we, did, we do want to um, mention, um, you know, we really are, are changing our language, and um, um, part of this whole message, even right now, about freedom and, and, and just some of the language that we've been changing in our life and our, our mindset over all these years of diving into kingdom, uh, <laughs> um, part of that is, you know... We, uh, we do believe in giving. Uh, we, you know, in the Old Testament, the principle was uh, tithe and offering, and you, know, you had to give 10% of what you brought in uh, to, the, to the house, to the storehouse. And you know, we lived by that for years, and I will tell you that um, I do believe in tithing. I believe in tithing above the 10% and even giving offerings. And, and Raquel and I, we live that way, and it's uh, been proven over and over in our life just how gracious and how, uh, you know, that's the only thing that God says to test him in. And, um, uh, and we have done that and we have seen him more than, uh, more, go beyond his own word. We've seen that. And it's a beautiful thing. And so when I talk about we're changing the language, we used to believe um, that if you didn't pay your tithe, that's when all the bad things would happen. Because for some reason, if you didn't pay your 10%, that the protection of the Lord would back away from you, like he would step away. And that's actually not true. Um, and I can prove it to you in Scripture. Um, but uh, the, uh, the principle in the New Testament that we, that we see, you know, the new covenant is uh, sowing and reaping. And um, so we just simply mention that, you know, it, we, we try to mention this every week. We have different people joining us. We have different people online that join us. And so um, uh, we do need to mention that, you know, man, partner with us. We're, Raquel and I, um, 
man, we, we don't take a salary. We, we've never taken a salary, actually, all these years because we believe in what CORE is doing. Even before we were CORE, we were the river. We just believed in what God is doing. And so uh, we give uh, and we just, man, for those of you that partner with us, man, it's, it's amazing to see what God is doing. Um, the, you know, there is, just like everything else is, is getting expensive, the light bill is going up, uh, you know, and, and all the other things are um, changing around us. And so, uh, man, if you want to partner with us, Sarah's not here, the amazing Sarah, uh, her and Marilyn went to the SOK graduation, uh, but there is the online giving app. Uh, I can help you with that a little bit if you need help. And then there's also the offering plates back there and uh, on the sound board, on the sound booth if you want to give cash or a check. But uh, if you got any questions, just see me after church. But man, partner with us and, and, and let's, let's see what, what all God does uh, with you guys because uh, it, it's not us, it's core. Amen? Um, was there anything else? I do want to, uh, you know, today is Memorial Day and uh, it's so interesting uh, I didn't even realize I don't really do themes that well and, you know, plan ahead on for this day or that day kind of thing. But uh, Memorial Day is, is about our service members who have given their life. Um, they've paid the ultimate sacrifice. And so we want to honor them. Uh, does anyone have a service member that, that has passed in your, in, in your family? Anybody? Yeah? Man. Um, oh, your dad. Yeah, man, we, we honor that part of your life, your heritage, man. Uh, for anybody watching, uh, if you have family members that have passed on, man, we, we, honor, we honor that legacy of your life. Uh, we honor them for their sacrifice. Amen? Um, it's a, um, that's a huge part of, of my heart is to help our military veterans. Um, and um, I just love that we get to have a day set aside to honor those have, have, that have given the, the most. Amen? Um, that was all for freedom, which is what we're going to jump into here in a second. But I did this a couple of weeks ago, um, and um, I wanted to see if there's anyone, you are a reader, and you do not have Chris Valentin's Spirit Wars book. If you're, if you're a reader and you don't have it, y- y'all do have it? Carrie, you don't? Okay, can you come and grab this? If I get down, Ronnie will get mad at me because getting out of the shot. Anybody else that has not read Spirit Wars and you would actually read it? Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Kathy? Here you go. Carrie, can you grab this for Kathy? Sorry. There you go. Um, this book radically changed my life, or I, I should say it was a catalyst um, for this message that I'm trying to convey, um, especially chapter 3 where he gets into uh, talking about what I'm going to jump into today. Um, we've, uh, man, the, the book is just amazing, and, and I, I, highly, I highly challenge you to read it. Um, you know, Chris Valentin's a little controversy, controversial uh, in this time frame, but uh, I, I love the guy. I, I think he's just amazing at what he teaches and shares. But... Uh, and I don't know if I'm going to wrap this up today or not, but let me, let me jump right in. Um, if you would, turn to um, John. Uh, we're going to go to chapter 8. Um, when you get there, let me know you're there. Just give me an amen or a shakalaka or something. Yeah, John chapter 8. 
Um, so we're talking about freedom. Let me don't get mad at me, Ronnie. I'm gonna just get the board. Um, no, Ronnie does get mad at me. Ronnie, is that good? All right. Can y'all see that? Okay. Yeah. Um, just a very very quick recap uh, in talking about freedom and, and what's going on is we've we've covered how um, this is the best way that I could draw it. Um, is that God created us before the foundations of the world, before he said, let there be light. So you have a created identity, what Jim was just talking about, in eternity past. And, and that is who you were made to be. He designed you. It was important enough to create you before he created everything else. He creates, you know, everything that we know in this life right now. He created it. And he said, man, this is good stuff. Actually, it's very good. And... Adam and Eve, they take off in life, and we know about, you know, the fall from uh, authority that happened um, in the garden when they ate of the tree of the knowledge, and, um, and Jim is absolutely right. We showed this last week, how um, the, um, that when you become born again, when you come to the point where you recognize that, you know, Jesus died for your place, Right? Then that he, you are actually a son or a daughter of the king. When you come to that understanding, then that is when you're born again. That is the, that is the shift, right? And at that moment, your nature is put back. That's what he says all over the word that, you know, we have his nature. And at this point, at the cross, the kingdom of darkness is defeated and Satan is uh, defeated and dethroned and... Um, there is no longer a kingdom because you can't have a kingdom without a king. It's a system of darkness. And that is still active in this world. Uh, and we come to this point, we live our life. And last week we talked about um, how when you, when you come to the point of Christ, that at that moment the shift that happens in you, uh, that the reconciliation happens, old things are passed away, all things become new. Um, and... The one thing that I kept pushing in that is that the nature and identity is changed in you now. It's not a redo. It's not a do-over. It's not a, uh, you know, we used to talk about cleaning the slate. It's not even that. It's actually the person that you were originally meant to be is instantaneously input into who you are. Your, your, every, everything about you changes, your nature, your identity. Um, and it's not even being um, redone. This is the process of uh, sanctification, the process of maturity uh, in life that happens now, that starts to walk. And we, as you walk out, you get to these moments. And these circles here represent these uh, moments of freedom or steps is how I've categorized it or drawn it out. You know, when you, when you first, uh, just for language's sake, I'll keep saying born again, I, I want to find, I, I know some people will throw the rocks at me, but I, I just want to find a different way to word that, even though that's what Jesus said. He said it as an example, though, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's real what needs to happen. Um, sorry, I'm getting off on a tangent. Sorry. Uh, bring it back. Bring it back. Holy Spirit, activate all that. 
at that moment when everything changes, you're stuck in this place before then. Over here on this side of the cross, you're stuck in this place of life that you have no control over. And yes, I'm saying all this again because this is, for me, this is the most important aspect um, of my life and the most important aspect for me to share with someone is that before the cross, you have no control. And what I mean by that is you don't have any, any stake in where you live, who you're born to, when you're born. You know, um, you're, you were born in this time frame for a specific reason, right? And it was not an accident. It was not a purpose. That's part of his plan. But the part of his plan or the part that was not his plan was this right here, this moment that changed everything. And now every single one of us have grown up in some form or fashion in an atmosphere or in a way of living that was not what he desired. It wasn't even what you desired. What do I mean by that? You were never, never meant to know evil by experience. You were never meant to know evil by experience. Um, we know that Jesus said that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? That's what, that's what he does. But you and I were never actually meant or designed to experience that type of life. You weren't meant to know what the bad things of this life were by going through them. You ever known anybody, or maybe you're sitting here today, and they're just, they, were, they were or they are a complete uh, a drug addict? It's a horrible way to live, right? God had no intention of anyone experiencing that. My grandfather, I've told the story many times, just an outright Lone Star alcoholic, full case a day. They said that when he died, they said that when they, they had to do some surgery stuff, they said that his lungs were completely black. Uh, he smoked, um, uh, he started smoking, uh, what is it, Paul Mall or something's happening there? Paul Mall. He started smoking those when he was 12. And um, by the time I was born, he was in his 50s, and uh, he was smoking three packs a day of Marlboro. Marlboros or the Mar I can't say that. Marlboros. Yeah, man, you could just get around, pop off for a couple of minutes, and you walked away like, uh, what's the dude on Peanuts? He had all the, the dirty kid. You just get close to Papa, and you, you, you come out smelling like an ashtray. Um, what that did to his body and the, the, the suffering that it caused him in his life, like God never intended that. Um, does this make sense? This, I'm going to show you in a moment some things, but I want to make one thing very clear. There's, there's probably um, the thing about this life that probably uh, gets to Raquel and I the most is when people are violated. Whether someone's been molested, um, groomed, and then molested, taken advantage of, 
rape, and all of that category right there. That whole category is probably what is the, um, I think maybe the biggest burden, or not, I don't know the right way to say that. That, that gets us, right? That's something that we want to see people have freedom in. Uh, I, I did not write the statistics down. I, I totally blanked out and forgot to write it, and I cannot remember the number now of the percentage of people that are violated in that way, uh, the percentage of them that believe that it was their fault. And I'm here to tell you today that it's not. It is not your fault. If you're here today, if you're watching today, or you're listening right now, if you fall in that category, there's nothing wrong with you. It was not your fault. You are loved and highly valued, and you were robbed. It doesn't matter. Um, we have heard many, many stories of, um, I think probably the biggest story that, that we have heard, and you've probably heard it too, is uh, they were asking for it because of the way they dressed or because of what they did. Are you with me? And I'm here to tell you today that that's, that's a lie. Um, a child doesn't do that, and uh, they don't have the capacity to, uh, to make those things happen like that. If they do, it's because of what I'm fixing to jump into, the environment, and the way that they were instilled or groomed. Are you with me? Um, so with me saying that right there, um, if you're in this room today and that, that's where your life was or maybe still is or maybe there's some of those things that still plague you, I'm telling you right now, you're going to walk out of here today completely free from it. I'm telling you right now today, you will not have those chains bound to you. If you're watching this um, at a delayed time, I am telling you that at the end of this, when, you, when, you, when the video runs out, you will be completely free from that. Uh, if you're listening uh, right now or you're on Zoom, uh, you will be free from that today if that's it. Right now, as I began to talk about that and I said a few certain words there was almost a feel like the room got a little negative, like a little, like a, almost like a little scared. And maybe I'm completely off. Um, if that's you and you went to that, that feeling, there's nothing for you to be scared of. There's nothing to be down about. This is, this is a negative in this life, but it is fully redeemed in the hands of the Father. And you were never meant to know what that's like by going through it or experiencing it. Are you with me? I, I really, really need to know that you're with me here, right? Um, because this is the most important part for me to be able to convey this. And I'm not trying to come off stern or harsh or hard. The truth is the truth, amen? Does anybody remember what truth is? Truth is that thing that agrees with reality. Right? And the reality is that if someone is violated, it's not their fault. We know a situation where um, a much older man was uh, violated as a 13 year old boy. 
and it was a time in his life that a whole year and a half that this older woman um, took him down this road. He in turn, as is often the case, it's not a definite, but it's often the case, he in turn um, did the same thing to someone else. A very young girl groomed her and went down that road. And it's a repetitive story that happens many times. Uh, this was not his fault of what happened to him, but at a later part in his life, when you pass this point, and you, or even when you become older and you begin to have a little control and you, you, you can make valid decisions, there are things that are stacked against you, which is what we're going to jump into in a second. And what I'm talking about today is stepping into the freedom that breaks the mindsets or the chains or the prison doors that hold you back from this part of your life when you're actually living in this part. Does this make sense? And so that particular young girl grew up for many years, struggled with the fact that she believed it was her fault. And I am glad to say today that that, that woman is free. Amen. So here in John chapter 8, um, this, this part of the message, this is part 3. Um, I've titled this Freedom and the Course of This World. In John chapter 8, uh, there, the, man, for the sake of time, go back and check it all out, even for context. It's, it's just a beautiful passage. Um, we're going to jump all the way down uh, for the sake of time. We're going to jump down to verse 31. Jesus uh, was saying to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Um, so, um, whoops, I'm in the wrong chapter. Other chapter, Pastor? Let's go. Let me read it to you um, a little bit deeper into the actual literal translation of the Aramaic. He says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach you, you prove that you are my true followers uh, for if you embrace the truth, it will release true freedom into your lives. When you embrace the truth, it automatically releases freedom in your life. The reason is because truth is reality. It's whatever ends up at final reality, right? Amen? We're all on that? And so when you come to the understanding that, whoa, this is what it really is, then something shifts. Right? It's like people that drive a Ford. They think that, <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. Sorry. People that drive Fords think that they're the best truck in the world, and then they get a Chevrolet, and they have reality set in. And it frees them from the bondage of having to purchase a Ford again. Praise God. No more living with acronyms of found on the road dead and 
Uh, that's a lie. Anyway. So Jesus gives us clear understanding that when you step into the understanding of what a reality is, it automatically, it, it has to set you free. This is the mechanism that breaks the chain. Amen? Then we get into how to live that out. Right? Okay. Uh, jump down to verse, uh, let's go down to verse 36. Um, very interesting passage here. So, um, Jesus is having this back and forth um, uh, with the Pharisees here, and they're telling him, man, we're Abraham's people. We, we, don't, we, uh, we uh, are not enslaved to anybody, and um, so how can you say that you'll be free? And Jesus responds to them, uh, talking about sin. But then in verse 36, 36, he says, so if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Amen? Amen. Uh, In a little bit deeper into the actual Aramaic, he says, So if the Son sets you free from sin, then become a true Son and be unquestionably, unquestionably free. Right? It's beautiful. Um, verse 43. Oh, this is where they get into the back and forth. Uh, you Please go back and, and read it today. It's, it's really powerful. They get going back and forth about... Um, uh, you know, who's their father. And he says, you know, you're, uh, you do this, the deeds of your father and all that. And they say to him, we're not born of fornication. We have one father, God. And Jesus says to them in verse 42, if God were your father, you would love me for I proceeded forth uh, and have come from God for I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. And verse 43, so why do you not, why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word, right? So let me break that one down. What he's actually saying there is why don't you understand what I say? You don't understand because your hearts are closed to my message. Their heart is closed to the message that Jesus is bringing because they have lived under the environment of the course of their world and their life. And that course that we're fixing to read about has locked them into a way of thinking, into a way of being, and it caused them to have their hearts closed to what they were hearing. Now, we know that there, there definitely are some that came to the understanding and on and on. Uh, things changed for some of these uh, Pharisees and Sadducees. Um, and it's just a beautiful example of what this world actually does. So knowing the truth or embracing it is what makes us free. The truth or reality is that we are free from the course of this world. Amen? The process of life and living, quote, in Christ is growth in capacity to understand our freedom and to walk in it. See, this portion right here, once you, once you accept Christ and you're living that life and you start to learn about you and who you are, you learn about Him and who He is, you learn, you know, we used to say how you should do things and how you should not do them. Um, that was actually, 
It's not a list of do's and don'ts. There's, not a, there, there's, a, there's a couple of lists in the Bible that we, that we read, right? Galatians, uh, Romans. And he talks about certain ways, right? Gentleness, uh, long-suffering, love, gentleness, peace, joy, you know. And when you go back and you read that scripture, it is nothing to do with this is how you better act. You know how all y'all tell your kids when you go to that place that you're going to go to? It's how you're going to act. Right here, right here, right here, right here. See, God actually never said that. The new, cov- the new covenant does not do that. But what he says is, man, you should walk like your father who walks like this. And that's what that list is. He's gentle. He's loving. He's long-suffering. He's kind. See, when some of us are rude, right, that's not the attribute of our Father, right? If we steal or lie, it's not that you're going to go to hell for doing that. It's that, man, that's not how He is. And you're His Son. So the question becomes, why am I doing that? Why am I living this way? Why am I thinking this way? And what happens is we get in these moments where, man, Holy Spirit is whispering. Sometimes He's yelling. Sometimes He's right in the face. Sometimes you're at a place where, like Jim stands up here today and says what He says and something clicks for you, right? Those are those moments where Holy Spirit is weaving and molding and He's guiding you into this moment where you can say, oh, now I get it. And these are the moments that we're pushing for. These are growth moments. These are glory moments. These are understanding moments where where we come to this place where we shift our belief, which cuts loose the chains that are holding us to the belief that just changed. This make sense? So we're going to jump in now about this process. Um, There's another scripture, if you want to write it down, John 16, verses 12 and 13. This is where Jesus explains. He says, man, I have a lot more to tell you guys, but you can't understand it right now. It's, you need more capacity to understand. This is why when you and I become born again, we don't just... Instantly, every aspect of our life lines back up to this. Your nature does. Your capacity to understand does. But we have to walk through this piece here and have these moments of freedom and understanding because of what this piece of our life, the course of this world, because of what it's done. So jump with me now to the book of Ephesians. And we're going to go to chapter 2. Um, chapter 1 of Ephesians is, well, the book of Ephesians is, is just absolutely one of my favorite portions of the Scripture. Um, I want to break down for you um, these few words that make up this verse. But in chapter 1, we read all about how amazing you are, how amazing He is about all that He's done for us and what He wants to do through us, right? This is where we read that you were created before the foundations of the world, that you have every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, and, and on and on and on, right? This is, this is where that is found in, in Ephesians chapter 1. But then He jumps right into this, 
this next passage here, and, and I really, 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 I, I, I wish we had time where we could read through all of chapter 1 and, and jump right into chapter 2, but um, y'all look pretty hungry, so we're not going to do that. Um, but in chapter 2, this is where he says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air and of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. That phrase, the course, according to the course of this world. See, you once, right? Once. You once walked according to that. You don't walk according to that anymore. The reason is because this is no longer who you are. This section of your life, before you came to know Him, this is not who you are. It's not who you really were meant to be. So whatever happened in this portion, He says you once walked according to that. So let's look at that phrase. What is He actually saying there? Let me read it to you. Um, in this other version, I love the passion. Um, and his fullness fills you, even though you once were like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses. And it wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, the customs, and the values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently into the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth. So what does this mean? I'm very glad that you asked. The part according to, that is the Greek word uh, kata, and it means down from or pertaining to or because of, right? Um, the key part there is the phrase because of. Um, the word course is actually the, the Greek word uh, aheron. I cannot speak Greek, so I'm doing my best. And it means uh, forever or eternity or a period of time which is written like a sentence. That's what the word course right there means. So it's like you're, you're sentenced to something. For a time, for a, for, and actually for eternity is what, what it actually means. In other words, you're locked into a place for a time, for eternity, sorry. And the word world right there is uh, the word cosmos, uh, which many of you, you, you know that word, right? It's about the cosmos. And what it actually means is a harmonious arrangement, uh, arrangement or, or an order or government or a world system. That's what that word means. So I was asking the Lord about this, and I, and I began to like, when, when this first happened in 2017, and I saw all of this and what, it, what this did to my life, what it did to Raquel's life, what it did to the people around us, what it did to their life. And here's how I saw it. You see... The word according to means because of. The word course is an eternity, like a sentence. And the world is 
It's a system or the world that you were locked into. And so when you put all this together and you put these, this phrase, according to the course of this world, what it means is that in this time right here, you were sentenced to a place and an eternity of this world that you were in. And you had no choices. If you grew up in a racist household, you didn't have a decision to not think that way. I grew up in a, in a family, and there was some influence on my life um, with some family members w- that were um, very, very, very uh, adulterous. Like, man, that was like turning a page in a book. I grew up around that. I was exposed to por- pornography at a very young age. And something happened uh, when I was uh, 11 years old. Uh, This is right before my mom and dad split up. Uh, I grew up, so we didn't go to church because my mom's side was Catholic. (laughs) My dad's side was Baptist. This is Catholic back when they still spoke Latin. So we'd go to service. We'd go to a Catholic, and my dad would be, you know, his old good old Southern Baptist roots. He ain't been to church since he was 17 or 16, right? But suddenly in his 30s, he, he knows all about it. We'd go to that church and we'd get out of there and we'd come out and my dad would say, you understand any of that? Or we would say, I didn't understand any of that. And something and my dad would say, oh yeah. He said, I can play dominoes better than you can. No, you can't. He said, that's what he said. And then my mom, we'd go to the Baptist church, and that was, you know, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. Can I have another stanza? You're going to hell. And they would just, and all the spit flying off and the sweat, and they would beat just as I am to death, right? Can I have another stanza? You're going to hell. And my mom was like, oh, I can't do that. I'm not doing that. So we never went to church. But I, I spent a lot of time in the summers uh, up at my dad's side of the family in the, in the red dirt pine trees of uh, East Texas. I love it up there. And so that's dad's side of the family. Boy, you going to church. So we went to church every Sunday, went to church every Wednesday, vacation Bible school. I loved it. And I, I learned some things in there, in that vacation Bible school at seven years old, eight years old. I learned that Jesus died on the cross. And I learned that it was for me, but I didn't understand it. I believed in God. I believed uh, that the Bible, I knew that was his son. I, I, I believed all that, but I never put it together. And so at 11 years old, I found out that uh, my mom and dad, they told me on a Friday evening that um, they were going to be getting a divorce. Um, it was a pretty ugly thing. And, um, and so that night, I, I was at my grandparents, uh, you know, on the farm. We had to, I had to go to work that next Saturday. And so I'd always spend the night. And uh, so I was in the shower in their, in their house, and I was crying. And I was crying out to God, and I, and I, didn't, know, I didn't know what that meant. I just was sitting there crying, and I said, God... Please help me. Please help me, God. And I was crying, 
because I really believed it was my fault that they were getting a divorce. I asked him that. You know, I asked, is mom going to change her name? Uh, what, what, what happens now? You know, I was worried about my brother, you know. And that night in that shower when I was crying out, um, something happened in my life. Now, did I get the full born-again experience right there? You know, uh, I believe that my life was changed in that shower because I cried out to the Heavenly Father and something happened in my life. And so I didn't just rabbit trail here. I was telling you about the adulterous stuff that was in my life, around my life and my family. And I tell you this part because that night something shifted in my life. And I was originally, I was set up to go down this road of being uh, very promiscuous. I was set up because of this. I was set up to drink. I was set up to be very promiscuous. But something happened to me that night. As I called out to the Father, not really knowing anything, just I had a heart to call out to my Father. Something happened in my life, David. He did something. Our old pastor used to say, Chris, I believe he put you in a bubble because um, I already had a sense of honor and, and chivalry and being a protector. I, I already had that. But after that night, um, there was something that shifted and I saw all these things as wrong, like really wrong. I was set up to, to drink and smoke my life away. I lived around it so much. But I can stand here before you today and tell you that I had every opportunity to do those things. I had every opportunity. I could have stole cigarettes. He would have given me cigarettes, man, my papa. I could have sat there and drank beer with him. Y'all, you're not going anywhere. Have one. You're here with me at 11. I could have done all that. I had the opportunity to go down that road, and I did not. I can stand today, and I can tell you that I've never once tried any drugs. I've never been with another woman in those moments where that opportunity was there, no matter what it was, some of it pretty serious, uh, pretty blatant, and, and I would hear this voice on the side of my head and he would say you better get out of here don't you do this no don't do that and I listened there were times where I would walk away from situations and I was made fun of for a long time now they wouldn't say it to my face of course because that part of my life didn't change <laughs> anyway The thing that broke my cycle on those things was me calling out to the Father. And that part of the course of my world was broken. There's still a lot more to deal with, even now today, because none of us have reached that level of perfection yet, correct? So as I, as I tell you this, Ask yourself this morning, what, if anything, 
is still there. What, 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 what is, is there anything that has you tethered to something before Christ? Is there anything that has you tethered or tied maybe to a way of thinking? If you have fear in your life, why? If you can't have good relationships with people, why? If you can't, if you can't, if you can't, if you can't, why? Because actually with us, there is no can't. My dad used to say, what's your last name, boy? Cornelius. That's right. We don't know those words. There is no can't. Thought he was Yoda or something like that. I love you, Dad. <laughs> I've talked before about in my life how it was all about um, doing good. You had to do things in order to get appreciated. You had to do things and do well to get any kind of affirmation which a child should not have to. A child is meant to be loved and adored. And you and I as parents are meant to call, to see and call out from them what God put in them. Just like a farmer taking care of, man, when we, when we do tomatoes, man, I hate tomatoes. Like, you know, growing them and picking them, I hate it. You got to go drive steaks and then you got to walk and we got to tie all of them. How many of y'all, have y'all been to my family's farm? Some of y'all been there, yeah? You've seen them rows? Them suckers are 250 feet long. You know how many tomato rows we would have? 80. And here we are, 104 degrees. Got the string and the pipe, and you just walk in, and you just loop the tomatoes. You just keep walking. It's hot out here. Well, that's too dang bad. Y'all seen the movie Holes? That was us. Hated doing that stuff, man. But the thing was, is they never saw those good things and pulled them out. Everything was always, never, it was never good enough. Well, that was good, but you could have done this. Man, I'm nine. I'm driving the truck. How many other nine-year-olds you know driving? How many, you know, how many other nine-year-olds take the tractor two miles down the road and take it to the shed, right? You know, they used to send me to, at, the, at the, the other part of our family, uh, they sold it now, but it, the Canino Market down on Airline Drive, the Farmer's Market, that was my family. And so we would do deliveries, and they would send me to go get the money because they paid in cash. They wrote the ticket out, you know, uh, 50 crates of collards, you know, uh, 40 dozen of turnips, uh, you know, 100 crates of mustard, whatever. So many squash. They wrote that on a ticket, and when they watch you unload, and um, Papa or my uncle would say, here, go get it. I'd run over there. Man, we get paid like four or $5,000 cash. Them ladies, oh, hey, Chris. Big old fat envelope like that. And they would tell me, hey, don't forget, go get a snow cone, right? 
and I'd run over there and get a snow cone or a slushy. I'd come back, Papa or my uncle, either one of them, they would, here you go. And I'd have the slushy. And they said, did you, did you use farm money to buy that? No, Maria gave it to me. Oh, I was just checking. You know, it was never, it was never, oh, man, hey, good job, man. You're responsible. Man, let me talk to you and teach you about this. It was never that. And so it created in me that peace in this part of my life that I was tied to taught me that you always have to go above and beyond to get any kind of accolades. Now, I'm not a nine-year-old kid looking for, I want an accolade. Can somebody please pat me on the back? You know, you don't, that doesn't happen when you're nine, right? Your thoughts don't go there, but your mind does. Think about this. There are things that are hardwired in you and I that we want and we need acceptance, right? You want to be loved. Actually, all of us are hardwired to want to be adored. You actually want to be adored. You want to be loved. And so you're not a young kid saying, oh, man, nobody's loving me, nobody this. You're not doing that, but there are triggers in your mind, and you begin to build up these these walls. You begin to build up chains bound to a certain way of thinking or a certain way of being. See, we were prisoners or captives in this system with no choice. The birth, where, where you were born, your parents, your environment, your upbringing, on and on and on. Um, it's so funny. I was talking to my, she's almost 90, my grandmother. I was talking to her the other day. And she's, um, she says what she wants at 90. And we're talking and, and uh, you know, we just built our house and uh, she starts telling me about all the new people moving to Russ, Texas. And, and uh, oh yeah, Billy Langford died and, you know, Mrs. Owens, you know she died. And uh, there's only, only Witter, there's only Witter, woman, Witter women left at the church now, you know what widow is? It's a widow. But that's how my grandmother from East Texas talked. I start talking to her, and I start going back to my, my little everything. I start getting a little twang in my voice. I start cutting some of them words down, kerners and all that. Anyway, we're talking, and, and she's talking about, oh, this person, this, and oh, they're building this house and this big old house. Oh, my God, you ought to see these houses. I can't believe these people these days, they build these big old houses. Why do they need a big old house? I don't need no big old house. I got my two little, this, your papa built this house in 1948, and we remodeled it now and then, and I just need these, just these three bedrooms and this little, you know how much it is expensive, how much it costs to heat up those big old houses? And she just goes on this big old rant. Oh, no, I can't believe people do them big old houses. And I said, Danny, you know I built a big old house? Oh, I wasn't talking about you. I wasn't talking about you. I said, yeah, I built a big house. Yeah, we, we needed the room, and we're host people, but we use it. Well, that's different, honey, because you use it. That's different. <laughs> but that's the mindset. It was always like that. Oh, you don't need that. That's too much. Oh, no, that's too big. Don't, no, no, no. Everything had to be. It was a poverty mindset. 
Does that make sense? Poverty mindset. You're not meant for poverty. Not even you sitting in here right now. You watching, you listening. You are not meant to be in poverty. No, no, oh, thank you. I'm glad somebody agrees with that. Man, I know what I need to preach on now. Y'all are meant, we are meant to run the world. Seriously. So let's look at this. With Christ, we have all access to full freedom, but our capacity to understand and accept that freedom is in steps. And that's what these steps are. It's in steps. And here's, here's what this is. There's a, there's a process and there is a fight. You see, our enemy wants to still kill and destroy all that we are. We know that from John 10, 10. And we go through these moments where we fight and we win and we gain understanding. As I look around, I know the majority of you in here. And I know every one of you that, that I know you, every one of you, we've had a conversation where it's been, wow, I never saw that. Oh, wow, I learned this. Oh, wow, this is cool. Man, and it, it's not about me, but sometimes it's, wow, the way you said this. Wow, the way you worded this. Or, man, when Raquel said this, right? You know what I'm talking about? We've all had those moments, and those are the moments, those aha moments where you understand something new into the capacity that you were created to have. You take a step up in your understanding. You take a step up in your belief system. You take a step up, and as you embrace that truth, the chain of whatever that was you stepped out of has no choice but to fall off because of what Jesus said. Amen? So let's talk about our battles real quick. Um, in Ephesians chapter 6, um, verses 10 through 18, we have the armor. And uh, I'm not going to get into talking about the, you know, all the differences of the armor. But the one thing we do want to make a note of um, is in uh, verse 10. Um, and you all know it probably by heart. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So remember that part, schemes. Let's go over to uh, 2 Corinthians. And um, we want to go to verse 10. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, starting at verse 3. Again, please go back and read. This is so awesome. But he says, uh, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Verse 5, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. Um, another, we didn't go that far into uh, Ephesians 6, but he says in there as well, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? Um, let, me read, uh, let me read this one to you. Oh, man, I should have turned there, sorry. Out of uh, the 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, 
verse 3. Um, For though we live in the natural realm, we do not wage a military campaign employing human weaponry, uh, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Uh, Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle defenses beyond which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like a prisoner of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the Anointed One. So what does that look like? In this book, Spirit Wars, in chapter 3, Chris Valentin goes into much detail in explaining that the, battle, the spiritual battle that we face, the fight that you and I uh, are in, that the weapons of the enemy, it is the thought that you get. The building block of strongholds are thoughts. He talks about that the system of darkness moves at the speed of thought. We just read the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, Right? We read it two places. It's not in the physical that we fight. Most of us would do pretty good with that. But that's not how it works. He doesn't come at, come at us with physical things. He comes with us with the thoughts. And why those thoughts? Because he knows this part of our life. And the test is to find out, are you really free from that or are you not? And what about the things that they don't even know they were tied to? You don't even know that part yet. And that's why, as this last portion talks about, we should take every thought captive like a prisoner and question that, look at that, decide that. Is that his thought or is it his thought? Is it something that lines up with my identity as a son or a daughter? Or is it something that goes against every bit of that? Because that's a lie from the pit of hell. And we're not going to walk in that. Oh, no, I don't live that way anymore. But there's these moments and these things that we just don't recognize. And that's why it's so important to embrace the truth of Jesus, to embrace the heart of the Father, to walk with Holy Spirit and have him in this intimate relationship back and forth because he is leading and guiding us through these moments. We have an aha, and then he begins to prep us for the next one, and then the next one, and then the next one. See, it's clear that our battle is spiritual and not fightable in the natural. It is in the thoughts. The enemy has no power or authority over you or I. Uh, Schemes, the word is methodia, uh, and it means cunning arts, deceit, craftiness, trickiness, uh, to lie in wait. And this is where we get our word method. So the word that, he, that, that, that Paul is writing to describe what the enemy does is the word we get method from, right? Only with an evil connotation. He is trying every which way he can to get into your head or to my head and mess us up. Strongholds. We're fighting against strongholds, right? Oh, man, this is a, this is a great one. Uka uro ma. That's what it has. It means to fortify as if a castle, 
uh, and in arguing or reasoning with someone in, who endeavors to fortify and defend their position. That's what this word means. Like Paul's not an idiot. Holy Spirit's not an idiot. When he wrote this out, this is what you fight against. You're, you don't want to, you want to tear down the strongholds in our life. And a stronghold is a thing that is arguing or reasoning with you. And it endeavors to fortify its position or its opinion. You ever argued with any of those people? Well, they're going to plant their feet. Man, I thought, watch them, man. I'm out of here, bro. I don't want to do all that. It's stupid. You know when they just dig in and they just keep on and, oh, uh, if you've been on TikTok or if you've been on Instagram, how many of y'all seen some of that Johnny Depp stuff? Man, that's so bad. Yes, I've seen some of those clips. And there's that one lawyer that's on his side. Oh, my goodness. That girl is a pit bull. That, that woman is just objection, 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 objection. They ought to make a song out of it, right? But that's the type of, that's what the strongholds in our life are. You ever talk to anybody and you tell them how special they are and they don't believe you? You ever told them how good they are and they don't believe you? You know why they don't believe you? It's because that stronghold in their life that was placed in there at this time period, it beats them down and it's got them locked into believing that that's not true. Raquel will tell the testimony of how Jim spoke to her one day. Right? You remember that? Shattered all that chain. Jim is and Kathy are amazing at telling you who you really are. You know, he comes to me sometimes and he puts his hand on my face. He says, you're doing a good job, son. Man, Pop's got it going on, man. Even though I'm not arrogant about it, I know, I know that I'm doing a good job. I know it. But there's always these voices. There's always these thoughts that come right here. Even right now. Even right now, those thoughts are trying to, trying to get at me. Right now. But I know that I do a good job. And I know that I need that encouragement as well. When he comes and he does that to me, it's like everything just kind of shudders in there. But I realized something the other day. Because that should never stop. Your families, your other people right here, you should find the thing that God is on, puts on your heart for those people around you, and you should say that. You should speak that. You should encourage that. You should lean into that because they need to hear it. Maybe it's not that they're doing a good job. Maybe it's something totally different. But here's the thing that I realize. The level of my understanding and my freedom from all of that, even though the reality is that I am one million percent free. I'm still not fully walking in that freedom. And so even though I had this moment and those chains are broken off, 
there's another chain there that I didn't see. And man, I'm up, I'm walking, man, I'm, 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 I'm living life, I'm skipping and jumping and fighting the devil, all that good, I'm doing all that stuff, right? I'm going, I'm going, but the thing is, is that I'm only going and going to this spot right here. I'm just, I'm just going right here. And the reality is that I can get up and go anywhere I want. And Jim comes along. You're doing a good job, son. Son died. Now I can walk over. Ooh, son of a gun. I can walk all the way. Ooh. Does this make sense? Like this is, this is the reality of our life. That you are meant to be free from anything and everything. You are meant for that. You were never meant to know evil by experience. I was never meant to know that I need this in my life. I was never meant to know it because they never did it. That's not the reason. How many people are missing out around your life? Because you don't. Think about that for a minute. You know your kids, man? My kids are gone. We got our grandkids now. And I love them. We don't believe in that whole give them eight candies and then y'all go home. We don't believe in that. Man, sometimes I don't know how to handle them. Jesus, help us with Wilder. Please, Jesus. Because he is living up to his name. I'm like, Rachel, what the heck, man? You call that kid Wilder. That's his name. And we'll be sitting here. Oh, yeah, he's right there. He's good. I'll turn this way. Uh, three seconds later, he's on the speaker. I'll bet that what are you doing, man? Like, it's amazing. That kind of stuff can get frustrating. I got to learn not to be frustrated and call out that fearlessness that he has and put it in place. He's got to know that he's fearless because he's a warrior, that he's meant to break things in people's lives. He's meant to cut a pathway that shows people how to go off the path and accomplish what changes the world. He's got to learn that from us calling that out in his life. I know it's not easy, man. Some of y'all got your hands full, right? We understand those parenting frustrations. We lived that. Well, Raquel did, really. <laughs> Man. Speculations or what happened, they are the things that happen that these things in your life, they build up, they build up, and every negative thought that comes in that you believe, it adds a building block to that stronghold. It adds a higher step to the wall. Lofty things, hoopsoma is the word, and it's something that is elevated, um, such as a high thing or a structure, and it is believing something is greater than God without thinking that. This is very important because, listen, every one of us in here need freedom in some capacity. 
Even in the thing that you say, there, you know, there's, I hear it all the time. Oh, yeah, I'm free from that. Ooh, yeah. And they can't see that they're wearing a big old backpack full of that stuff. Right? And that's, that's, it's not okay, but it's okay. Because you're not going to see everything. That's why Jesus said what he said in John 16. You can't understand everything right now. But as we walk with Holy Spirit, you will. Lofty things, they're things that you believe is greater than God. But you don't actually think that. Go back to giving, right? If you don't give um, to the house that you're, you know, living in, that you're running in, there's not a judgment here at all. So please don't take it this way. But I know people that have told me all the time, man, I don't give because I can't afford to. And we've all heard the other rebuttal to that, right? No, you can't afford not to, right? We've heard that. Test God. And, you know, there... If, if that's your thought, then you're, you're not at a place yet of understanding that part of God. So in reality, some people say that out of fear because they won't have enough money to pay their bills. When the reality is, it's the thing that, that he reciprocates more than, I mean, more than anything. He, he said, test me in this because this is what I'm going to do, Right. But if we get to the place where we don't give because of fear, oh, I'm not going to have enough, then we are actually having money as a lofty thing because we believe that that's greater than God, but we don't really think that. Does that make sense? Lies. Sayodos. They got some Spanish mixed in there in the Greek, right? It is conscious and intentional falsehoods or deception with intent. These five things that we just listed, schemes, strongholds, speculation, lofty things, and lies, these are the way that the enemy fights you and I. He throws a lie. Throws a lie, right? All of these are ways that our enemy uses to keep you unaware and disengaged from your purpose. The course that you were on in this world, it helped to formulate the mindset, the pattern, and the strongholds in our way of life. And the only way that you and I are free from those are by embracing the truth. I'm going to read, as I said I would, as I close this out, with Isaiah 61. I'm not going to read the entire chapter. I, I highly encourage you to read this. He says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord in the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and the mantle of praise 
instead of the spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And then they will be rebuild. He's talking about those people that are set free. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations and they will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. I believe that when he talks about that they'll rebuild the ancient ruins and the former devastations, I believe those are the pieces of our life that were damaged by the course of this world. The mindsets that cause damage in your life, the environment that you were brought up in that caused you to think a certain way, which caused you to act a certain way, that's what's being rebuilt. Those are ancient ruins. Those are former devastations. And then lastly, we're meant to rebuild cities. Yes, we're meant to rebuild cities. And the desolations of many generations. There's so much more here. And I'll, I'll most likely wrap all this up next, next Sunday. Um, I want to I tell you, you were never meant to know evil by experience. You were never meant to know hardship by experience. You were never meant to know any of these things by, by trying them. And what I really hope to accomplish with us at CORE is that we would tap into an understanding with Holy Spirit. We would tap into a, an understanding of being able to break free from the things that we don't see and we don't realize. There are things in our life that are still there that we don't, we don't see and we don't understand. And the only way that those come about and those chains break off is that when a moment arises, when that moment arises and Holy Spirit is there and he says, man, I got you, daughter. And this is not the way that I want for your life. The moment that happens, you embrace that and those chains come off. You ever heard somebody say, well, that's just the way I am. We had someone on Raquel's family. They would say some dumb things. They would say some really dumb things to people, hurtful things. Well, that's just the way I am. Actually, that's not, that's not who you really are. It's just they were blinded to the fact that, man, that's not how God acts. And I shouldn't want to be that way a little simple piece of deception in that person's life they were stuck on the fact that it's just how I am so I hope that this makes sense today I hope that you walk out of here today understanding where this stuff comes from and how much there is to break down in our lives we're on a continuous journey for freedom it's never going to stop. There's always going to be another step, a little bit deeper intimacy, a little bit greater victory, a little bit deeper understanding, a little bit deeper understanding a way to make other people understand or to help them see 
and on and on and on. So, tearing down strongholds is a very difficult thing. I had this big step of freedom in 2017. And um, there are still thoughts of rejection that come my way. I'm 49 years old. I'm fixing to be 50 years old. And even with me speaking that out, there's a thought of, man, you should be embarrassed that you're admitting that you still deal with this stuff. But I'm not. I understand fully what's going on. And I want Holy Spirit to show me something that I think that doesn't line up with what he thinks about me. And I know that as I see that, it might be hard to believe. But I want to step into that so that I can go to another level of freedom in my life. If there's anything like this in here today, for those of you that are watching or listening, as we're going to, I'm going to end for them first uh, so they can shut that down. Um, I just want to tell you that you were never meant to know evil by experience. And you were absolutely meant to be free from anything and everything that is a hindrance between you and God. That's not a list from some church. It's not some paper that some pastor gives out. It's all about being uh, in the same page as the heart of our Father. And so I just pray over you all, if you're watching this or you're listening, I pray, first of all, that you would have the understanding to see what God wants you to see. And you would have the courage to take that step of faith and push into the freedom that he's already got lined up for you. So that you can walk as a son or a daughter exactly how he designed you to do. And so that you can change your world around you because you're meant to be free. You're meant to be free. I feel like there's... Uh, most people in their life, uh, for some reason I feel like this is for somebody watching. Uh, for, um, most people in their life have played baseball, softball, tennis, some kind of, you've had something where you've thrown a ball back and forth and dodgeball, right? This battle that we're in, this, this, this battle for you, it's like playing dodgeball, only you're not watching the ball. And uh, the hits come and they build, they add a block onto the stronghold in your life. If yours is rejection like mine, people say something to you and you're already viewing as, as through a lens of rejection because not because you want to but because the course of this world created that in you and you're standing there and these hits come these 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 thoughts someone says something and right away you have a thought of negativity 
you may not even understand. It may not go through your head that, oh, they're rejecting me. But you automatically go to the defense. You automatically put your guard up. You automatically have to explain your position. You have to automatically think of an excuse uh, because you feel trapped. Uh, if it's something like that, that's like getting hit with the dodgeball and you're not watching for the ball. So my prayer is that your eyes, your peripheral vision would open up so that you could see the ball coming. Psalm 91 um, uh, speaks about it. Ephesians 6 speaks about the, the darts that come, the fiery darts. And those, when that comes and you don't catch it or you don't duck and it hits you, that is what adds to the stronghold belief, the mindset belief. And so I pray that your peripherals would open up so you could see that and you would capture that ball and you would hold it and say, man, this does not line up with what Christ thinks about me. And so you would imprison it or throw it away as Second uh, Corinthians says. So that's you. I pray for freedom in your life. And we love you and, and God bless.